I hope you had a good Valentine's Day. You know, I think since I've been out of kindergarten, it really hasn't quite had the luster that it did when I was little, you know. And it's become, I'm just going to say I've been married a long time, and it's become a little more of a obligation. It's like, oh great, here comes Valentine's Day. What am I going to do this year? And my wife's not here, so I can talk about this however I want. See, that's good. But that is the, the, that is kind of how we feel about it, right? I mean, and in some respect, it's just like just like the snowstorm last week was kind of manufactured by the grocery stores, so that they, they all got all that business. Valentine's Day is more or less manufactured by by uh, greeting card companies, so that we all you know pitch in and do what we're obligated to do. Uh, for Valentine's Day. But seriously, as, uh, as you think about it, what has persisted, really? I mean, why is Valentine's Day, of all days, why is Valentine's Day a holiday? Why is it, a, why is it even on our calendar? I really, I mean, I, there are a lot of other saints that don't get their own days. I think it's on our calendar in part because everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wishes that there would be that person or those people who would love them. That, I think, if there's anything that's universal about the human condition, it's that. And as I think about that, that really then sort of opens my eyes to what the world needs about Jesus. I mean, I can, I can go and try and sell people on the Gospel so they go to heaven. But the reality is, the people I'm talking to really simply want to be loved. And that ought to be just, that ought to be just the greatest news for people who have who have gospel, who have good news that yes, in fact, God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. That is, that is the message of the gospel. I mean, I, I've just been thinking about the book of Romans even this week, thinking what, what God wants us to get, among other things, is very simply that God loves us, that while we were still sinners, God commended His love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us when we didn't deserve it. I mean, we're just saying, couldn't deserve it, I couldn't earn it. I mean, that's the case. And still, God loves us. He goes, he goes on to say that the, the love of God is poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. He goes on to say in Romans chapter 8 that what is going to separate us from the love of God? And finally, he says, I am convinced that neither life nor death nor angels nor principalities nor anything else in all creation is going to be able to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. You see, this, we are a people who are radically loved by God. For you and for me, every day is Valentine's Day. 
Every day is Valentine's Day in that the very longing of my heart to be loved is true every day in Christ. That is the beauty of what we have in the Gospel. It is because of that radical love of God that He has uh, communicated so clearly in the Gospel in the first uh, 11 chapters of the book of Romans that He says, Therefore, by the mercy of God, uh, I, I beg you, present your bodies living sacrifices. He begins by saying the foundation for all of the, the practical, how you're supposed to live, teachings in the rest of Romans, they all find their bedrock in the mercy and love of God. And so this morning, we're going to continue looking at what, how God wants us to live. And I, I didn't want to start by saying, this is how God wants you to live. You know, try a little harder, do a little better. But rather say, you know what? You are so radically loved by God that you can't even in all the years that you live on this earth, you'll never plumb the depths of the love of God. That is, that is the bedrock upon which you build this life. As a Christian, I mean, it just—that is just amazing, amazing news. And so, I want to help you build it this morning. I'm going to help you build it with, in some regards, some of the simplest words in in Romans. I mean, it's just Romans chapter 13, verse 8. If you would have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn there. And uh, Paul is simply parroting, for lack of a. Uh, more sophisticated word. He is parroting the words of Jesus uh, who borrowed the words of Leviticus to remind us to love one another. So it says this, Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Now, one of the, one of the things that we've come to appreciate about this text is I've worked on it, I've worked on it with Eric who's preaching in West Lynn, is that there isn't very much here that needs explanation. You know, I mean, these are the things you tell your, you know, your two-year-olds and your three-year-olds. Let's, you know, why don't you kids just love one another? And they know what it means. They just don't want to do it. That, I think, is the same problem for grown-ups, right? We know what to do. We know how to understand it. It simply is harder to do. And so what I hope to do this morning is just I want to take a look at three different angles on love. I want to take a, a, a look at love and point it out to you and show you the relationship that love has to the Christian. And then show you the relationship that love has to the law and show you the relationship then that love has to the world. And that I think will, will flesh out the ideas that are here. But the reality is... <clears throat> You know, simply my reading it to you could be sufficient. Um, were we to do what the Scripture uh, asks us to do? And so, 
The, the first thing I want you to see is that um, we're to owe no one anything except to love each other. For love, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. And so the, the relationship of love to the Christian is interesting because the relationship of love to the Christian is simply obligation. Right? I mean, look at how he starts. Oh, no one, anything except to love each other. Can't he be more romantic? Can't he be more creative? Can't he be more motivational? It's your obligation to love one another. And that, that to me is, is really interesting because, and that's what invites him to talk about love because he's just been talking about the government and pay your taxes and, and give tribute to whom tribute, honor to whom honor, and pay what you owe, owe nobody anything except to love one another. This is an obligation that you will always be paying and never have paid off. I mean, I, I appreciate that Travis suggested that you could um, set up sort of an auto-withdrawal from your checking account on the church website and give automatically. That's wonderful. Uh, he'd be happy to talk to you more about that, I'm sure. But... The reality is, this obligation is one you can't put on auto pay. You can't simply make uh, an uh, electronic withdrawal on the love that you have for one another. And so it is, uh, it is a, an obligation of mine to love. Now, that doesn't make it better, does it? Because that means on those days when I feel really loving, I'm going to love my wife and it's, you know, and I'm going to love the people around me and I'm going to look for people to love. And you know what? I don't have very many of those days. My obligation extends to the other days. So that whether I'm feeling like it or not, whether I get out of bed with aches and pains or whether I am, uh, you know, have a rosy outlook on life or whether I'm snowed in or whether my car how it gets a flat tire, or whatever, I am still obligated to love other people. And so it's interesting, and this is why I started with the Gospel. You know, it is the, it is the Gospel of Jesus Christ that obligates the followers of Jesus Christ to love other people for the sake of Jesus Christ. Because really, your love for other people is not separated from your trust in God. They are together. And if you separate them, you say, oh, well, it's my faith in Jesus that gets me to heaven. And then everything else is somehow optional. Okay, This is a message to you that everything else is not optional. It is is not optional. And the thing is, I assume some of you have mortgages. I assume that some of you have student debt. And you know, the pressure you feel, because that is still there in the background, that, that debt is hanging over you, and if you were to lose a job, or if you were to have an illness or miss a payment, you would really feel the pressure because you owe somebody something. That's what we're talking about about love. 
It is that pressure to wake up in the morning and say, as I am obligated as a follower of Jesus Christ to love other people, how am I going to do that today? I just want to, I want to put that on you <laughs> with all of the gospel love I have uh, as part of the good news. Because everybody you meet will want to be loved. And so you are obligated to do something for somebody else that they absolutely want you to do for them. It's a really an interesting way to look at it. Now the other thing that I want to make you sure you see when we're talking about the relationship of love to the Christian is that this is how the Christian relates to the community. The community of faith in particular. Because it is the, the community of faith that we are to love. And it says that uh, we are to love each other. That is the language that he has been using already in Romans chapter 12, especially when he says, let, you know, brotherly love, um, love one another with a, a brotherly love. And what he's talking about then is the opportunity that you and I have for, uh, relating to one another. So the place to start is in the household of God. Do good for those in the household of faith. Uh, or for, do good for everyone, especially those in the household of faith. He, he says in, uh, I think in Thessalonians. And so what we have is this obligation to love one another. And the thing is, I think we're better at that than we are at some other things. But that includes all the things in Romans 12. Praying for one another. Serving one another. Using your gifts for one another. It includes um, uh, being diligent as you lead. Be somebody that's trustworthy. All of the things in Romans chapter 12 are things that you and I uh, are to do. And we're to do for one another. And so the, the initial thing, I think, is we're to do this for the community. So the relationship of love to the Christian is one of obligation. And it's also the way in which that Christian relates to the community of faith in Christ. And then the next thing I want you to see is that love relates to the law. Law has been a big topic in um, in Romans already, because uh, we're 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 showed that you can't fulfill the law, and that the law places demands on us and holds us guilty before God, so that we must exercise faith in Christ. And what you have then is that uh, the one who loves another fulfills the law. There is an aspect. Uh, again, sounds very ob- obligatory, doesn't it? That is an aspect of fulfilling the law to love one another. And he goes on then the next verse to say that this is part of the commandments. That, that the, the commandments, you relate to the commandments by love. And they're summed up in this word, word love your neighbors yourself. And then again, you have love fulfilling the law. 
And so as you're thinking about this, I mean, this is a, this is a question that we have run into before in Romans is, how do I as a Christian relate to the Old Testament? How do I relate to the law of God? Uh, and am I obligated, to, to use our favorite words here this morning, am I obligated to keep the law? And what you have here is the, the good news of Jesus Christ that yes, in fact, we are... Um, this law-keeping, or I should say law-fulfilling, that you and I are to do comes from the law of Christ, love one another. And so, the law of Christ is just as... I mean, the Gospel is always the bedrock, right? Just as I have loved you, Jesus said. We started the service with this. Just as I have loved you, so love one another. And so, the place we start is the, is the love that God has for us so that we then love one another. And in loving one another, we keep the law. Or we fulfill the law. <clears throat> now, th- uh, this, is, uh, this makes me nervous. I don't know if it makes you nervous, but I, I don't want to be a Pharisee and place heavy burdens on people that they have to carry all the rest of their life with obligation. Oh, I just am so happy I'm a Christian. I don't want to do that to you. Okay, that and and this is the language of that, though, isn't it? Obligation, law. I mean, what are we what are we going to do about that? You see, I, I want to make sure to place this language, though, in the proper context. Because it's the proper context that then enables us and frees us to keep the law of Christ and in keeping the law of Christ, fulfill all the other laws. So, in Romans chapter 8, it it talks about this. Well, I already mentioned John 13, but in Romans chapter 8, he says, for God has done what the law weakened through the flesh could not do. So there is a problem if I'm going to start by talking about the law and, and have you keep the law so that you love one another. Because you can't do it. That's the problem. Right? And when you can't do it, aha! Here's, here's the, the gas, really. For loving one another, right? Here's the, here's the fuel for the fire of love that you have for one another. And it's this, by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, God condemns sin in flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us. So here in Romans chapter 8, you have He's dealing more with what God requires. What what God is looking for, for you and for me. And He admits, you know what? I can't keep it. We can't keep the, the law because our flesh, our natural person is unable to do that. And so, rather than despair, or maybe I should say, in our despair, God sent His Son. And when He sent His Son... In Jesus, God met all of the requirements of the law. 
So that as far as God is concerned, He is not looking down to see if you are keeping those commandments we talked about in Romans 13. Are you um, you know, stealing? Are you uh, committing adultery? Are you murdering? Rather, He's saying, as I look at you, all of the requirements of the law are met already. So that you then are coming from a place of rest and fulfillment already as you then think about loving other people. And God's not finished, you see. Not only has He fulfilled uh, the righteous requirements of the law, it is He has done this for us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And then He says that those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh and those who live according to the Spirit. So, God has gone one step farther than just saying, okay, in Christ, because you believe in Christ, I am going to credit to you all of the law-keeping that you could possibly need. He's not only going to do that, He's going to give you His Spirit to motivate your new life in Christ. The new life that you have because you have trusted in Jesus now is motivated by the Holy Spirit. And so the, the um, energy behind any attempt you make now to love other people out of obligation is different. The Holy Spirit now provides the energy to love one another. Rather than my guilt or my desire to measure up in hopes that somehow I'll love other people enough that God will accept me. That's what Romans 8 is dealing with. That's finished. That's settled. God's not going to look at you and say, oh, if only you had to love people just like for you know six more minutes, then you'd be good to go. He's not saying that. He's saying that, that kind of requirement of the law is, is all taken care of in Jesus. And I'm going to give you my Spirit so that the very thing that I did for you in Jesus, you can now do for other people. And you can love one another. That's the beauty of what he's uh, talking about here in Romans chapter 8. So that the good news doesn't merely cancel out our sin. The, the, the good news also promotes or energizes the love that we have for one another. It's not merely that I got saved on this bedrock of the grace and mercy and love of God and then I cobbled together my own life. But rather, what I have is this bedrock of love, mercy, and grace from the Lord upon which the Holy Spirit then motivates me to fulfill the obligation I have then for Jesus' sake to love other people. And so that's the beauty of how the, the law gets fulfilled. And, and really, it's not mysterious, is it? That, that God having canceled the debt that we owe because of the law and have motivated us in the Holy Spirit that then when we live, then when we love other people, that too fulfills the law? I mean, the law's not bad. It's just that everything in the law relating to other people can be summed up 
in one word. It's the, you know, the word of Jesus, right? He, he said, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And your neighbor is yourself. We don't need them all. We just need the one. And so that is part of what is going on here is that this active fulfilling of the law plays out in real time the fulfilling of the law that I received when I trusted Christ. And so the law of Christ fulfills is fulfilled when I love other people. And then... Law relates not just to me and the community. It doesn't just relate to the to the um, to the law, but love relates then to the world. And this is why it's here. This is why it's in Romans 13. It, it got placed in Romans 13 because he's just been talking about the government. He's just been talking about obligations you have to pay your taxes and to pay revenue and to give honor and all those other obligations. And so he throws in this obligation coming right off of the obligation that you have to the government. Now, there's, there's something I want you to notice here in verse 8. If you look down at verse 8, you'll notice that it says, oh, no one anything except to love each other or to love one another. This is, a, this is a standard phrase that you're to serve one another. You're to love one another. There's 45 some different one another things that you're to do for one another. But then he goes one step farther in verse 8 and he says, the one who loves another. This is a different word. This... the you, this is a, uh, a word that we use most often in English as a prefix. Uh, hetero, which means, which means the other. Homo means the same. Hetero means the other. So you have heterodoxy or heterosexual or hetero means other. You're to love the other. So all of a sudden, what he's done is he's expanded this circle from loving one another, those folks that are easy to love that you come to church with, or that you have in your life group. And he's expanded it now to love for uh, those who are other. Very similar to the language that he used in the, at the end of Romans 12 when he talked about showing hospitality. The word uh, hospitality is love of strangers. So there's the love of strangers. And here we have in, in verse 13, love for the other. Which is much more difficult. And, and if you think about it, all of a sudden it does fit, doesn't it? With some of our governmental submission issues. Because what are what are the things that, that really bother us about things going on in government right now? The things that bother me have to do with the other. They have to do with people who have views that are different than mine. have to do, to do with people who have origins, national origins different than mine and they want to come into our country. have to do with people who have... Uh, 
different, you know, sexual preferences or orientations. They are other. And you know what? What we have here in Romans 13.8 is whoever loves the other has fulfilled the law. And so now, this law, this love of neighbor expands to include, well, like Romans 12, your enemy. To include people who are different from you. And it becomes a different sort of a game. You know, you have it here, that just the very fact of loving your neighbor as yourself from a quotation from Leviticus 19.18. Loving your neighbor as yourself has to do with people who are not necessarily like you. It's not just limited to those in the tribe. It's those in the tribe and those outside the tribe. And Jesus, when Jesus talked about this, He recognized that this is hard for us, didn't He? And so He told a story. He said there was a man who was on his way to the sporting goods store. And he had a fender bender. And he, he, he hit his forehead on the dashboard. And it was all bloodied. Yeah, and he, and he said, you know what? There was a principal of the school drove by. Saw him, slowed down, and drove around. And there was a, there was a head of surgery. The head of surgery saw the accident. Said, you know what? I've got a I got a meeting in fifteen minutes, and he drove by on the other side. And then there was a then there was a pastor who happened to not be present today, just so you know, but a different pastor, of course, who driving around the side saw him and just made sure to give a wide berth so that the emergency vehicles could get there eventually, right? But then according to Jesus, there was an illegal immigrant who happened upon the scene and stopped and opened the door and helped the man out and bandaged his wounds and took him to the hospital and paid his bill and waited for him in the emergency room. And Jesus said, who then was the neighbor to that man? Yeah, there are all kinds of opportunities we have to find neighbors that are other, who are different from us. And that's the way that Jesus applied this same text. And so, you can apply it to people who are different. You can apply it to those who live close by you that are difficult to love. But the way that Jesus does this is that He simply says, love does no wrong to that neighbor. And so, He has in view people outside your immediate circle. Back in Romans 12, the classification for this particular um, neighbor is enemy. See, all of a sudden, I mean, why, why would He meddle like this with my comfortable, busy life? I don't want to mess with my enemy, certainly. 
I don't want to mess with people other than me. But this is the way that he suggests. If your enemy is hungry, or if he's thirsty, feed him and get something to drink. Do the most loving thing you can think of for your enemy. And so the application of this is really wide. And I, I think about this particularly with respect to government or to the problems that our government is trying to face that the church could also face. And what, what I think of immediately are the heroic things. The things that, well, I want to start an organization or some non-profit to solve some world problem and bring water to nations. I'd love to do that. And that's probably, certainly, would be to fulfill this law of love. But the reality is, most of us probably won't do that. And he has in view here, I think, the very kind of thing that Jesus said, anybody that gives a cup of cold water in my name. That's the kind of thing Jesus is talking about here as the kind of application of love that he has in this text. And so my encouragement to you is to recognize that you have the opportunity, again, as he, as he closes out Romans 12, to, to overcome evil with good. The, the application for government is not the, the way that we love one another and begin to solve practical problems is not to shout at one another on social media. It's not even to passively watch Fox News or CNN. See, the, the whole thing about submitting to government is not an invitation to be passive and uninvolved. That's why he follows it up with love one another. Because it is love that then will overcome evil with good. It is love that is the doing of the good that the, that the government is supposed to be concerned about. And so rather than passivity, He is inviting you to actively love. To actively engage the problems of our world. To do what is good. And so the law that is fulfilled by the Christian is the law of love. The one that that covers all of those others. The summary law, you might say, to love your neighbor as yourself. And so my invitation to you this morning is that you might go home this afternoon and think about the people in your world, the people in your house, people in, that are your literal neighbors, the people that are your co-workers, the people that are your uh, enemies, the people that you know who have needs that live close by. See, I think it, the meeting of the needs is the, the hungry and the thirsty. And the meeting of those needs is the fulfillment of the law of love. And so may God help us all, whether we feel like it or not, to fulfill our obligation to love one another.
You know, and I, I do think, and I, I pray for myself this way all the time. I pray for you all the time about this. The, the way to fix this, because I'm, I'm assuming you're like me. I'm assuming you don't feel like it. I'm just going to assume that. I should assume better about you. I'm sorry. I assume better for you, but for me, who doesn't feel like it? Okay, this is what I pray. Okay, I, I pray what's in Ephesians chapter uh, 3. That I might be filled with all the knowledge of Christ. That I might know what is the height and length and depth and breadth of the love of God in Christ Jesus. So that I might know the love that surpasses knowledge. You see, that's where my love for somebody else is going to come from. That's where my love for my enemy is going to come from. That's where my love for somebody who is other than me, who's different from me, is going to come from. And so I know that the only way that that's going to happen is if the Holy Spirit sheds abroad in my heart the love of God. Romans chapter 5. And then once it's spilled out and poured out in my heart, He's going to take some tablespoons and pass them out to other people. That, I think, is the idea behind Romans chapter 13. May God help us to fulfill the law, fulfill our obligation, and to love one another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I am so thankful that the deepest longing of my heart to be loved has been satisfied when You sent Your Son. That the demonstration of Your love is so overwhelming that I can't get past the fact that whether I feel like it or not, whether my circumstances are good or not, You have pledged Your Word. Your unchangeable, eternal Word that I am loved in Christ. And so, Father, I pray that You would keep me from the sin of being self-absorbed or of being apathetic to other people. But God, would You give me energy to love? Would Your Spirit energize all of us to love one another? What a difference that would make in our world were we to love others like Jesus loved us. So I ask for uh, your help in His name. Amen.